Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Cardinal Dash. So excited for you to join us today. I'm Daniel Martinez-Crams, joined, as always, by King Jemison. King, excited to talk to you today. A little bit nervous, too, because Stanford didn't exactly do what we thought they'd do this year. Uh, I, for some reason, had Stanford going 5-1. and one. That was a silly version of me. And uh, you had a Colorado – sorry to throw you under the bus, but Colorado not winning a game. Clearly, neither of those two things are going to happen, uh, but we're going to be here to talk about it all anyways. King, the 0-2 start, things aren't looking great. I want to ask you, is it time to panic? Daniel, I don't think ever time to panic for Stanford football because I don't think anybody quite cares enough. The fan base is not going to go out and fire David Shaw. This is not going to be some major program transition. But from an on-field product perspective, it is time to panic on one side of the ball. On the other side of the ball, I'll give it a little more time. So to explain, defensively, it is definitely time to panic. I think Stanford might have one of the worst defenses in all of college football. The yards per play numbers back that up. They're second to last in the Pac-12 and 115th out of 126 teams that have played FBS football this year. That's horrific. Now, have they faced two, I think, good offenses? Yes, they have. Colorado and Oregon can both move the ball. But there is no excuse for that type of performance. The Cardinal have just one sack. That puts them at 124th in the country in sacks per game. They're 120th nationally in passing and passing yards allowed per attempt. So, I mean, you know, if you just go deep into the stats, Stanford's defense has been horrific, particularly the passing defense, whether that be the pass rush and the secondary. I think there's a lot of blame to go around there. Um, Offensively, I'm not sure it's time to sound the alarm just yet. I mean, 14 points against Oregon was a disappointing showing on the scoreboard, but we talked about how the offensive line, the running game, showed some very encouraging signs in that game. And then it was kind of the opposite in the Colorado game where – Stanford's running game was largely stymied, perhaps by situation more than anything. They just had to play catch up um, and throw the ball 56 times. But in the second half, that passing attack was pretty prolific and was able to lead Stanford back. So Stanford can win games. It's not time to panic because they can win shootouts, but I don't know if they can stop anybody. And if there is one source of panic for me at a program level, is Lance Anderson's job as defensive coordinator because there's been a significant decline on that side of the ball, both recruiting and in production over the past few seasons. And I think we need to see more from him over the rest of this season. Totally agree with you there. And just sticking with the defense, it's time to pin it, right? It's, It's confusing when we look at it. It doesn't make any sense that Lance Anderson or any of the other defensive coaches would have just stopped being able to teach how to play the read option. But for some reason, the quarterback option has been killing Stanford this year. After the game on Saturday, Dave, uh, David Shaw, three-word answer, it's an issue. What's happening? What's happening? That's a reason to panic, that all of a sudden it seems like coaching just isn't happening or development isn't happening. Because that's something that's pretty basic in every defense in college football right now, to be able to play the quarterback option and to not give up easy rushing touchdowns to the opposing quarterback. That's been an issue. That's why I'm panicking. But to your point, yes, the offense is finding ways to click. I think there's reasons to panic around clock management, but we've seen that for many years now. And that goes back to both coaching, execution, awareness. It seems out of place for that to be a problem at Stanford, that uh, they can't deal with a play clock that's 40 seconds every single time. And uh, having punting in weird situations – 
And then another thing I want to go to also in terms of coaching is David Shaw's answer about a fourth and one call back in week one against Oregon. And I, I didn't pick up on it, went back to the tape, and I just want to read it to you because it's shocking. Here's this quote. I don't have a chart or anything. I don't have any statistical measurements. For me, it's about how we're playing. If we're play- playing well and we feel like we can get it and we've got a couple of good plays in mind, then we'll do it. That's Shaw's answer for how he decides on whether or not to go for it on fourth down. This is Stanford. The top major that most people are majoring in is computer science. And for some reason, the head football coach doesn't believe in analytics. You were on KZSU this weekend with Peter Goffin, who does a lot of analysis like this, looking into when teams should go for it and the cost-benefit analysis. The fact that David Shaw doesn't have access to that same material is a little bit shocking and very worrying surprising right like i mean it's shocking because you don't expect that from a head football coach at a place like stanford but it's not surprising given what else we've seen from this program this is an offensive coaching staff that absolutely despises seemingly so because i think they they tend to do exactly what the analytics say not to do and i think that generally tends towards conservatism um it also tends towards a whole hell of a lot of end zone fades which uh, has continued so far this year. That just seems to be the go-to and almost cost them any chance to come back, if not for a pass interference um, and, and during that uh, fourth quarter air raid, the Mills raid, as, I, as I'm going to start calling it. Um, but they just they don't pay attention to analytics, and they are very content to take three points when they should not be. And I think that is going to be a huge problem for Stanford if that continues. That in their first few games, in the in first halves, They've done a good job of moving the ball, and, but they've attempted five field goals while only scoring one touchdown in first half action. That's inexcusable, particularly when you have a defense like Stanford's that's not going to slow down the other team for the entirety of the game. Three points is a losing proposition in modern college football, particularly in the Pac-12, particularly when you have Stanford's defense. When you get in the red zone, you have to punch it in the end zone. And right now, there's there's two things going on. Number one, a reluctance to go for it on anything uh, different than fourth and one, which even still they're not always going for. But also they're not play calling to get into those fourth and short opportunities. I think we saw in the Colorado game a couple times he kicked field goals on fourth and five, fourth and six. I think all three field goals were in that fourth, fourth and five, fourth and six range. In all of those scenarios, the Cardinal had third and manageable, where if you hand the ball off or make a short completion, you get into fourth and short. Now you can for sure leave the offense on the field. But that's not the type of philosophy we're seeing. We're seeing the points are points, and we're going to take them where we can get them. And then that comes back to bite you. When you have three successful drives, three field goals, your opponent has quite a few three and outs. You slow them down for most of the half. They hit two big plays for touchdowns, though, and all of a sudden they're leading. They have all the momentum going in the locker room. And then you can't withstand that third-quarter surge by Colorado. So the lack of aggressiveness in the red zone um, is another example of Ignoring analytics and another example of where Stanford's coaching staff sometimes gets in the way of its talented players. And then where there's not talent, they're not doing enough to help them, right? In the secondary, we know there's not a lot of speed. And then we saw them get gashed for, it was a 60-yard touchdown, but it was on a 15-yard slant. They're not doing enough to help their players by blitz packages or anything to help your defense avoid some of those issues because – it's sometimes nonsensical and it's hard to watch 
sometimes as a, as a fan, but as a journalist, as anybody, you're watching it, you're just a little bit confused about how Stanford is running its team. And that's why there may be an opportunity to panic or why some people around the program have been panicking for quite some time, that they feel Stanford, uh, especially in those years where Stanford started to dominate, where Stanford was a perennial Pac-12 favorite, that's what people got used to. And then seeing where Stanford has slid to, they lost six games, first time since 2006, we've been harping on that, but that's because it's such an aberration. It's weird to see that for Stanford after so long of dominating. And um, if there's any positives right now for me, it's Davis Mills on the offense, but that Davis Mills may not be able to do enough this year to leave after this season, and he may need to stay for a fifth year. Right. The, the, the draft stock is not necessarily going to get to the point where he's going to be ready to leave early. I had not thought about that, but that is maybe one small pro that can come out of what is certainly shaping up to be a disappointing season. I think when you talk about the program slide, I think you also you hit it with that 15 yard slant that turns into a 60 yard touchdown, the lack of defensive talent. And that goes into something that folks like RJ Abadi have been tracking for a long time. Stanford's recruiting classes have been fine, but it's been heavily offensive players who have been driving those ratings. They have not been recruiting a lot of top-end defensive talent. you got a lot of three-stars out there. You even got some former walk-ons like Thunder Keck starting. And shout-out to him. I think he, he's played well, and I love when guys are able to rise up the depth chart. But if you are going to be competitive on a national level, if you're going to be the same Stanford program that was the 10th winningest program in college football during the 2010s, you got to be signing those four stars on defense. You got to have elite cover guys in the secondary, and you have to have pass rushers. The lack of a pass rush is absolutely um, inexcusable, and it's been that way for for a couple years now. But looks like it's going to be a particularly large problem this year. I mean, Thomas Booker is doing what he can, but one sack on the season, one sack, and barely any QB pressure. Sam Neuer had all day to dance around, and any quarterback with an ounce of mobility is giving Stanford fits. And guess what? Jaden Delora can move too. Um, so I think we're going to see Stanford's defense have to adjust again to the type of quarterback that gives them trouble, gives them problems. And the best player that they had recruited in this past class that we had mentioned in the past show and David Shaw for obvious reasons didn't want to talk about today was Aiden Hector, who is now playing football for Washington state. And I think has two fumble recoveries last time I checked in on him. So issues, issues galore, especially on the defense um, and then on that, uh, we expect the defense to struggle on Saturday, which is what brings me to this next question. Uh, almost a joke, but also not. How many times should Davis Mills throw the ball? Uh, last weekend, he had 56. You just mentioned that number. And then last year against Washington State, threw for 504 yards, but also threw the ball 50 times. On Saturday, what do you expect from Davis Mills or what should he throw? As much as I've been calling for Stanford to throw the ball more and open up the offense, he should not be throwing the ball 50 times. That is not the winning philosophy for the Stanford Cardinal. Yes, they have they have listened to the many people in the fan base, many people in Nerd Nation who have said, use these wide receivers, use these quarterbacks that we have, modernize the offense. But they have gone full air raid in, in a few of these past games, including last year's Washington State contest, where in that one, Mills is pretty efficient. You're looking at closer to 10 yards attempt. In this Colorado game, largely because of, a, of an inefficient first half, only at 5.5 yards per attempt for Davis Mills. So, yes, he throws for over 300 yards. I thought he looked good in the second half. But that 51 attempts did not net Stanford what they would expect it to. And it came at the 
cost of just 21 rush attempts. That's a type of ratio that would have been unheard of in the intellectual brutality era. Davis Mills was the leading rusher, 36 yards and a touchdown. And he actually looked fairly mobile. And, and I think he should continue to use his legs when the defense gives that to him. Um, but they really went away from Austin Jones and Nathaniel Peaton. Austin Jones was bottled up in this game and Stanford averaged less than four yards per carry. But on the season, Nathaniel Pete is averaging 10.4 yards per carry. Feed the man. He's a beast. I love his running style. He's going to drag tacklers a couple extra yards. And I think that, you know, the, the, the lack of balance in the Colorado game was largely a result of falling behind early um, and having that running game not work so well. So you just completely abandon it and play air raid to catch up. If you are able to start faster, maybe don't kick those field goals in the red zone, maybe cash some of those in for touchdowns. You can play a balanced offensive style and use what we still believe is a very good offensive line and very talented running backs alongside what is also a good group of wide receivers and a potentially dynamic passing attack. You can have the best of both worlds, but you just can't allow yourself to have to fall into the type of hole um, where you just have to throw the ball all over the yard to catch up. And I'm with you 100% here. They need to find more balance going into this week. Uh, Davis Mills uh, attempted 50 last year. Uh, the year before that, KJ threw 43. And then in 2017, they threw 20. Because basically Stanford was trying to find, how do we beat Washington State? Do we go run heavy, try and win time of possession? Do we say, you know what, we're just going to chuck the ball all game long because we're going to be in a hole and we just need to catch up? So it's been that battle because Stanford lost to Washington State now four straight times needs to find a way uh, to get wins. It's a tough team to play. It's a new head coach, right? But they're still not have a great system to beat them. And they've really struggled recently. And I'm totally with you. I really like Nathaniel Pete's uh, running style. And I think he's done a lot better when the offensive line has provided him less. When Austin Jones has a hole, he's been a beast. He's been phenomenal. And he's looked great, has three touchdown runs of the year. But Nathaniel Pete's a rusher who's going to get you yards even when you don't expect it even when the offensive line doesn't execute and for much of that colorado game that's exactly what happened against oregon uh they, they would have shifts they would have movement and the offensive line was able to handle it against colorado they would do a lot of stunts up front and stanford could not handle any of it and it showed the offensive line didn't do much and it eventually meant that davis mills was throwing the ball all game long but that's not a path to success stanford needs more balance I expect Davis Mills to be a lot better after a week of practice. Of course, last week, his first half was basically just a practice because he had been in isolation all week long due to those COVID testing protocol errors, whatever they're calling it at the Pac-12. Uh, but all of that meant that Stanford really struggled in the first half, fell into a hole, and then just needed to throw for their life for the rest of the day. And it didn't turn out pretty. It was not the style that Stanford wants to play. It ended up hurting them. And if they do that again on Saturday, going to be in for another tough day of sledding. Last year, Davis Mills sets the school record for passing yards against Washington State, and the Cardinals still lose 49-22. And, like, there were some fluky things about that game, but Washington State wants to get in that type of game. No, Mike Leach is not there anymore, but Nick Rolovich calls a similar system. I mean, the run and shoot is very similar to the air approach to how wide receivers run routes. It's all about making adjustments. It's all about beating your guy however you can do it. And guess what? When you play the type of defensive style that Stanford likes to play, heavy man coverage, that is a very, very difficult uh, task for those cornerbacks. And I think that, once again, you could see Washington State just roll up points and be content to, to let Stanford 
throw the ball all over the yard, you know, throw the ball for five to six yards of attempts and know that they're going to be more efficient in putting the ball in the end zone over the course of that game. And shout out to Ryan in the chat. Um, I'll be discussing with Ryan about this game on Friday. So I'm excited to talk about it, but he's right. Uh, 0-3 is a real, very real possibility. So is five straight losses versus Washington State. So is six straight losses or seven straight losses, excuse me, overall. So there is a lot at stake for Stanford in this game. And just when you hear those three stats alone, you just see how the program has slipped and how um, you really need to have a recovery over the back half of this season just to prove that the old Stanford's still there. I mean, the 2021 recruiting class is getting some momentum now, but it is really struggling, and you need to see some results on the field to get it back there. But yeah, for the balance, great point on Pete's ability to make something out of nothing. And I think that that is something they're going to have to lean on. Um, but that they also just need to be willing to um, to commit to the run, even if they do fall behind a little bit. Because I do think the fact that Colorado knew Davis Mills was going to throw made it a lot easier for that defense. I will say, we've always called for Stanford not to be so generic and bland out of the gate on offense. And they did call, I believe, five passes and one run on that first drive, which resulted in a field goal. Could have been a touchdown. Um, although I think it was good for Chet Toner to get his confidence back. Um, but that is the kind of, of dynamic play calling you want to see. Pass when they don't expect you to and run when they don't expect you to. I mean, if you can do that, then maybe you can keep a defense on balance. But, I mean, this is a game where Washington State, they have the 14th ranked offense in yards per play in the country, that's second in the Pac-12. They are happy to get in a shootout with Stanford. And if Stanford decides to throw the ball all over the place, that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to end well for the Cardinal. And Washington State also has a lot of struggles on defense, and Stanford may be able to exploit some of those. Right now, they're allowing 516 yards per game, which is 10th in the conference, 195.5 rushing yards per game, which is 7th, so maybe a little bit harder for the running backs. 156.13 is the passing passing efficiency against, that's 10th. Scoring defense, 35.5, also 10th. So they're going to give up points, we think. We think Stanford should be able to score. We also said that last week against the Colorado defense that had struggled against UCLA, and we saw how that turned out. So right now, I don't know what to think with Stanford because there's these matchups that they should be able to exploit and do well against, but sometimes they don't always take advantage. And it's exactly what you've said. They're not, uh, even when they're passing, it's still predictable. We've been calling on them to have a less predictable style, but now if the other team knows they're going to be passing, it's no longer a, such a weapon as when they're running play action or when their running game is really going and then, oh, there's a little surprise. Uh, when you have a play action at the goal line and you're throwing to your tight end, but no one ever really thought you were going to run, it doesn't do as much good as when it's uh, out of nowhere and you get that element of surprise. I think they'll be helped. Also, Osiris St. Brown should be back on offense. Uh, he had, I think he was also caught up in that COVID group. So with him coming back, that receiver group is really talented and uh, should help Davis Mills out. We expect him to have to throw a lot just because – of where Stanford is right now. I don't, I trust the offensive line. I trust the running backs, but at the same time, it seems like Stanford is going to need to rely on Davis Mills as they had so many times before as they did throughout the second half uh, last game. I don't think they want to get into that same hole and they don't want to be that predictable, but it's somewhere a balance between that where they're still going to Davis a lot. And we've talked about it. We've mentioned it because it's the elephant in the room. The defense has been bad. 
The defense has been really, really bad this year. But King, can you take me through any positives that you've seen? Well, I think they've already hit rock bottom, so that's a positive. You cannot get worse than this defense played in the third quarter versus Colorado. Those first three easy, easy, easy touchdowns totally demoralizing touchdown drives for the Buffaloes. I believe they walked in to the end zone on all three of their first um, drives at the second half and and really put the game out of reach, though Stanford did its best to, to get back into it. I mean, the, the inability to tackle, the inability to get any pressure on the quarterback, the complete bust in coverages that led to Jerry Rice's son getting his first touchdown on, on about as wide open as you're ever going to see in college football. I love, as Peter Goffin, shout out to him, uh, pointed out, I love the strategy of blitz and not roll anybody over the top. Um, let's just leave a guy wide open and, and see if Neuer will miss. And sure enough, Neuer did not miss because he just saw a quarterback. And and I believe the highest rated quarterback by pro football focus through the first two weeks of the Pac-12. But Jaden Delora is right up there too, and he's going to prevent a real challenge. But I do want to provide a little more actual positivity. It's cool that uh, Stanford's three leading tacklers are its three captains on defense. Thomas Booker, Malik Antoine, and Curtis Robinson. I mean, I think Curtis Robinson is really showing why um, I he might be the leader of this defense, and and Booker clearly the leader of the um, defensive line. Malik Antoine has Stanford's um, one of Stanford's two interceptions on the season, and I think the secondary is going to start getting better too because Antoine, we know he's he's a good safety, he's a solid safety. Um, he's going to make uh, make a few plays here and there. He's also going to get beat here and there, as he did on that long touchdown. Um, but he, he's a good guy to have in the back end of your defense with his experience as a fifth-year player. But I think that getting Caillou Kelly back really helps those cornerbacks. I thought he played well um, in his first action, and I think he's a great cover guy. I think that uh, you know he may not be Paulson Adebo, but he's somebody that Dwayne Aquina and Lance Anderson can count on on the back end. Mm-hmm. We'll see if Salim Turner, Mohammed, or Zarin Manley start playing more often as well. There's a lot of young talent in the secondary. Um, hopefully that's going to lead to it being a little harder for um, these opposing quarterbacks to just tear up the Stanford defense. Of course, it doesn't really matter what the secondary does if the pass rush is non-existent if those quarterbacks all day. So I'm trying harder to find any positives there. Tomas Schaffer does have the one sack of the season, and maybe the 6-7 Austrian is about to become a force too. And uh, I think it's telling because every single thing that you pointed to as a positive, I also did, but also have nothing else to add, right? There's not that much in terms of positives. We, the players we expected to show up on the defense are doing that. You mentioned Booker, Robinson, and Antoine. What we expected, the turnovers, that's been a nice improvement. Demuni had two in the first game. Antoine had one last game. And then same, uh, we saw Turner Muhammad started at corner last game in place of Ethan Bonner. They're listed as an or on the roster this week. I think they're seeing flashes from the younger player, and they're going with him. I like that call. Again, I like what we've been seeing from Caio Blue Kelly. He's clearly made strides from his freshman year, but he was good last year too. So Kelly, uh, Caio Blue Kelly and Salim Turner Muhammad should form a pretty good duo as the season progresses. We've seen good things from Zaron Manley as well. There's a lot to be excited about there. But at the same time, the defense is allowing third down conversions 68% of the time. That's 126 in the nation. I don't think there's many more than 126 teams in the nation. That's shocking. All of the rest, total defense, rushing defense, scoring defense, passing efficiency are bad. I sent you that tweet that the two quarterbacks that have played Stanford are the highest rated by passer rating 
in the conference. Stanford just giving up a crazy number of yards, crazy number of points. It's just bad all around. So now it's, as you said, they've hit rock bottom. How do they adjust from here? Any positives, if we see any sort of quarterback contain, I think that's a positive. Even if it's against a quarterback without legs, of course, that's not this weekend. Delora can run. But going forward, if we can get something like that from the defense where they give us a little glimpse of what we could expect from the future, I think we can take that as a positive. Yeah, and at least we're going to get to see some trees in the stands. So, you know, we're, we're doing our, our part to uh, decrease Stanford Stadium's carbon impact. So that, that that's good, too. Um, but you're exactly right. I think that it is going to be small steps. We're not asking Stanford's defense to shut down Washington State. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm asking them to hold them under 30. I expect this game to be decided um, in the 30s and maybe even 40s. Just asking for a few stops here and there. And frankly, Stanford's defense played pretty well for most of the first half against Colorado. Forced quite a few three and outs. Neuer looked rattled. And if it had not been for a couple big plays, you feel a lot differently about that first half of football. So Stanford has shown that they can hold up um, to an offense for at least a couple quarters. I think just like they started fast against Oregon as well, kind of kept the Ducks from jumping on them early. I don't think the rush defense has been nearly as bad as the pass defense. And that's a credit to this linebacker core, which even while beat up, um, has shown a lot of promise. And I think without Ricky Miazon, that I mean, that hurts. That's a lot of speed and, and um, tackling ability um, to lose. But I do really like Gabe Reed as well. We'll see if Damuni is able to go. And Curtis Robinson is a clear leader of this defense who is starting to play sideline to sideline and make plays all over the place. Ultimately, to me, it's whether Stanford can generate any pressure on the quarterback. That's going to determine um, how well the secondary is able to play, and it's going to determine whether Stanford can play enough defense to keep themselves in this game. But go on another positive. I mean, at least we're probably likely going to, to see the ball thrown, thrown all over the place and see a lot of points on Saturday. So that's fun. That didn't used to be Stanford football. I do did want to note on the other side of the ball that I missed this in our, in our last question, but Timmy Fajoko averaging over 20 yards per catch again. He's been fantastic through two games, but he shouldn't have just eight catches on the season. I mean, he, there's there's been quite a few other targets that he hasn't been able to haul in, usually because they've been inaccurate throws, but they need to go to that guy in all parts of the field, get him involved even behind the line of scrimmage because clearly he can run and make guys miss. So I want to see Stanford be as creative as possible, knowing that their defense is a liability, knowing that they that their strength is on offense and they need to get every last drop out of that offensive group as they can. Yeah, that might be the biggest positive from the defense so far is that it's going to allow the offense to really go to work and bump up these guys how they're perceived because Simi Fajoko they should go to him more he's been phenomenal Connor Weddington loved what we saw out of him last game led the team interceptions Mike Wilson had that drop but otherwise is the best possession receiver they have on this team incredibly technical great route runner and uh you mentioned it if that drop doesn't go that way and if the uh big play on the other side doesn't happen completely different game but Mike Wilson's still a great receiver getting Osiris St. Brown back I really like Bryson Tremaine. All of those guys will be able to go to work, and that might be the best thing we see from the defense. But you're totally right. They don't need to get stops every time. They just need to get stops here and there, and that should be enough. David Shaw has identified that the third quarter has been a real struggle throughout these first two games for both the offense and defense. They're working on that. He's not telling us what those changes might be. But I assume something at halftime to keep these guys at least on their feet because they seem to come out of the tunnel 
very lackadaisical to start the second half. The defense should find ways to improve them. You're not going to have breakdowns every single week because you're bound to get better. You're bound to have those improvements either through practice or just simply through experience that are going to come with these opportunities. And, uh, yeah, as we're talking about positives, I want to talk about um, Cal and uh, just the fact that they lost, that they showed a little bit of uh, vulnerability. Of course, that was on a really difficult schedule where they didn't know their opponent until two days before. But I think just the fact that Cal lost has to be a good thing and has to be a good thing towards maybe Stanford regains the axe. And maybe nothing else good happens this year for Stanford, but if Stanford can win back the axe, then that's, that's a successful season. I mean, that dynamic Cal offense led by Chase Garbers. Oh, my goodness. That 2.8 yards per play performance, it was just beautiful against that absolutely stacked UCLA defense. Do not buy the Chase, Garb- the Chase Garbage hype. Uh, he, he's not the kind of player that everybody wants him to be, even though he may have done the impossible and beaten Stanford last year. So we'll get to the Cal trash talk later. I do want to go back to, to one thing you said earlier. Stanford, not only are they struggling in third quarter, they're struggling in that middle eight period of the game, which all coaches say is so important um, to who ends up winning. They're struggling to close out the first half well. Think about how Oregon gets that late score to take the 14-7 lead, kind of erase what had been a, an almost perfect half for Stanford to that point. And think about how Colorado is able to get up to that 14-9 lead even after um, they'd been so slow for most of the first quarter. And then, of course, we've talked at length about the third quarter. Oregon and Colorado both got the ball out of the gate in the second half, as Stanford opponents almost usually do. They go right down and score and make the game a, and, and make it a double-digit deficit from which Stanford was never able to recover in either game. So let's just start with the small things. Get a stop coming out of halftime. You've got all half to plan what you're going to do defensively to look at the other team, make those adjustments. Get that stop, and I'm going to feel a lot better about this game on Saturday. And then on that Malik Antoine interception, we saw some pressure from Jordan Fox. And that was that's one positive that I wanted to bring up just because there's a little bit of pressure. It led to an interception. That's perfect. That's how you call up a defense. Thank you all so much for watching it. Such a joy to have you all watching us on Cardinal Dash. Follow us at Dash Sports TV on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and our website, dashboards.tv. Also have our great partnership with Sports Pack 12. Check us out there. And then Friday at 6, catch uh, King and Ryan Root from Cougar Dash on the crossover show. That's going to be a joy. Always fun to see King break down anything. And it's a great show for you all to have. Until next time, this has been Cardinal Dash with King and Daniel. Kickoff in four days in an hour. See you there.